Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. It's another encore show here on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. Back in 08, we had a, a really, really great gentleman on the air. It, uh, his name is Lucas Conley. Uh, you may have heard of Lucas. You may even own one of the books he had out at, at that time. Uh, Conley is a contributing writer for Fast Company magazine, which is a great magazine. It says companies today are desperate to capture the interest of fickle consumers. Basically, what his new book, or his book back then was called, Obsessive Branding Disorder, The Illusion of Business and the Business of Illusion. No, he's not a magician, but he's a, a great interview, and we are so pleased to bring him to you one more time here at The Advertising Show. Let's listen. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Hot dogs, armor hot dogs. As promised, we are back with our special guest this weekend. It is uh, Lucas Conley, author of Obsessive Branding Disorder, The Illusion of Business and the Business of Illusion. And according to a quote by uh, William Taylor, founding editor of Fast Company, there's nothing more powerful in business than a truly original idea or a new product that kicks butt. Innovations that speak for themselves, but most companies have neither original ideas nor ex- exciting projects, which is why they rely on increasingly desperate marketing ta- tactics to attract attention. Lucas Conley offers a stinging and hilarious take on a world in which brands have gotten out of hand. Well, we knew that from a while back, but, uh, you know, Lucas, I'm glad you put it into words and put it into a really cool-looking package. Welcome to the Advertising Show. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, our honor to have you today, Lucas. And by the way, Ray, I just got this email from David Blaine. He said if you're going to mention him hanging upside down, he wants you to plug his name. But it was written upside down. The email is very strange. (laughs) Uh, You know, a lot of what you talk about in your book, uh, place-based branding, uh, word of mouth, uh, experiential marketing, et cetera, we've had guests on that uh, specialize in all of those categories. And your take is a little different on each of those, you have an, an overall or overarching uh, uh, idea that comes from your book and, and thoughts about branding today. First of all, Lucas, if you would describe the central hypothesis of your book. Well, the, the book resulted uh, after a couple of years of reviewing other books while at Fast Company, and as I as I saw the galleys and the advanced reader proofs come through, uh, you know, I noticed something like uh, maybe one in twenty. Uh, were different brands or formulas of branding. Uh, authors, uh, be they just uh, guys with an English BA or uh, successful, you know, folks with marketing careers, were were pitching various ways to brand your company. And and while it was you know kind of funny, you saw some you know, pirate branding and cult branding and love marks and and these were somewhat amusing. What what was disturbing to me was uh, how much attention executives and uh, even uh, CEOs were, were were paying to their brand uh, image over identity, and uh, I began to realize this was this is something of a, a, a pandemic. 
Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because we've had probably of all the categories of, of our advertising, marketing, uh, you know, media, branding, et cetera, that we cover here on the advertising show, branding is probably the one uh, category over the past, uh, what's it been, Ray, almost seven years since we launched the show, that one category that we've had more guests talking about on the show than any other. And one of the, the main questions we always ask is give us your definition of branding and of course they vary they vary depending on who you're talking to which really pretty much bears out what you're saying there it is all over the place and 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 why don't you with our for our audience sake share with them what your definition of obsessive branding disorder is uh, so the, the definition of obsessing branding yes disorder? exactly yeah in 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 the, in the corporation, I would say it's when you have, like I just said, like an executive or or a cor- you know employees becoming more concerned with image, things like logo, the company motto, uh, brand ideation meetings, than their core competencies: uh, customer mm-hmm. service, innovation, distribution. But but I think it goes farther than that. I think uh, with the, the media saturation that we have today, I think the this disorder I talk about in the has reached uh, the level where consumers now uh, are infected. Consumers think of themselves as brands. We brand our cities and our towns. We, we, we need dirt, water, oxygen, snow comes trademarked. Um, this is a kind of a, it's, it spans far beyond just the business world. So was there any particular one event or period of time that you can say where the so-called obsessive branding disorder became a problem here in America? Became became what? A problem for us in America. I, I think I think I think this disorder started to crop up in the early '90s when people started to talk about branding more than they did about advertising and marketing. And 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 if a brand is a company's soul, if a brand is a promise, I mean, we have all these definitions of what a brand is. Then then it's an organic property that rises from the bottom. And I think as as branding became a practice. And as more and more people proclaim themselves the branding gurus, you saw a lot of, and we see a lot of top-down branding, where executives are uh, kind of opening the doors to, to branding teams who come in and try and um, kind of uh, fiddle with the, 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 the code of a company. You know, this is, this is a brand, it's the soul of a company, it should be something that's, that's naturally, organically there. And I think uh, we're now thinking of it as something we can uh, meddle with. So is, is this uh, disorder, as you call it, something that occurs more here in the U.S., or is it a, a worldwide issue? More in the what? Is it more of a worldwide international issue, or is it more concentrated here in the U.S.? Oh, absolutely. It's, interna- it's, it's an international issue. I think um, as we look at the media and, uh, and how the media is working and how technolo- technology has enabled uh, Kind of a, the walls are falling in terms of communication and transparency with corporations. Um, you, you'll find that any any first world country now, uh, any country where you find advertising even, uh, is, is you know to obsessive branding disorder. And, and the, the example I point to frequently is you know in Japan, where uh, Louis Vuitton is such a popular brand that 94 percent of women in their 20s own a Louis Vuitton product. Really? Yes. Yeah, uh, we had someone on that was speaking about uh, marketing to Asia and told us that and found that to be very strange. Either that's a very effective uh, 
marketing campaign for Louis Vuitton or it's a bit of a cultural issue there. I really can't can't uh, figure out what's going on. But let me ask you this, Lucas. Uh, you say there's too much advertising out there and consumers can't clear can't keep clear what's actually important and what's not. I'm, doesn't this just put more pressure on today's marketing creatives to come up with breakthrough messaging to, to get noticed by consumers? Yes, I think we're experiencing something of a, a renaissance in advertising today because because of that. I think if you you know if you look at the numbers and the numbers that I've seen say that you know in 1971 we saw maybe 500 ads a day and today it's between three and five thousand a day. Uh, you know we're, we're we're looking at trying to break through the clutter to reach consumers and capture their attention. And as technologies allow more creative ways to do this. Uh, and, and, and psychology as well, in terms of word of mouth marketing and new techniques, uh, marketers are, are exploring a uh, whole new um, field. And I think what, you, what you're seeing is some very exciting work, but also some some very uh, uh, meaningless branding, some very uh, some, you know some very inefficient marketing. Lucas Connolly is our special guest here. Lucas is author of uh, Obsessive Branding Disorder and uh, The Illusion of Business and The Business of Illusion. We've got uh, more time to spend with Lucas today. I'm glad to have that uh, as well. i got some questions for you as well, Lucas. We'll be back with uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe here on The Advertising Show. Stay with us. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. You are like no other babe ever born. You're fabulous, babe. You know how to reach out and show your love, babe. You're fabulous, babe. This is The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, Lucas Conley, our special guest, author of Obsessive Branding Disorder. In a creatively uh, put together book. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to to find out more immediately, uh, even while you're listening to the show here, uh, check out lucasconley.com. That's L-U-C-A-S-C-O-N-L-E-Y uh, dot com, and you can find out more about that. Lucas, great to have you all the way from Santa Fe here, and uh, welcome to the advertising show. Good to have you here. Yes, it's good to be here. Yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, ineffective and inefficient advertising and marketing, and we're all about... Uh, uh, exploiting those inefficiencies that we see out there, and we we couldn't agree with you more. There is a, a huge amount of uh, of advertising that uh, is wasted, but at the same time, you know, I don't know. Give me your take on this, but isn't the reflection of the omnipresent or or, or just so much availability of advertising that we see today more of a reflection of just the huge amount of information coming from so many different resources out there that really requires advertising to 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 be in so many different places to be able to overcome the volume of just information out there yeah well you know i I think what what my theory on this is is that we've, we've we're coming to a turning point where the saturation of messages, uh, both advertising and informa- information, um, is, is influencing culture and society in, in unpredictable ways. And I think uh, the examples that I point to are, uh, say, say, a Connecticut woman who will auction off the naming rights to her child, um, <laughs> people who consider themselves brands and then kind of brand, them, brand themselves as an individual as opposed to simply allowing their personality to kind of speak for itself. Um, and, and, and you're also seeing organizations that were typically not concerned about marketing or their image um, in, 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 a, in a classic uh, advertising way 
uh, get involved. Um, you know, the Vatican now is issuing uh, credit and debit cards. Um, and this is, you know, it's kind of an, uh, the attention economy, as we call it, I think is resulting in, in kind of a perversion of normal uh, functions of some of our communities. Now, you talk about the, uh, you talk about the auctioning of kids off. We had uh, Wally Amos, who used to be Famous Amos, but he's no longer famous. He's just Wally. Uh, basically sold his name and his identity to uh, to a cookie manufacturer, and uh, no longer does he have that. Uh, well, the recognition is there. You think of famous Amos, and you if you met him, you'd know he was. But he's not legitimately and legally, I don't think, Brad allowed to uh, uh, to uh, you know portray that uh, that image anymore. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's a surreal world we live in when you you can't own the rights to your own name. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, let's go back. I, I agree with you, and uh, of course, he sold his name with his uh, with his company and sold it for not much. And regrets all that, but he's a he's a great guy and uh, yeah, doing a great is. job trying to stay out there and do some good things for the community. He lives and in. for the kids you know, too. That's great. Exactly, exactly. Let's talk a little bit about relevancy. You mentioned about uh, what is it? Sixty six percent of Americans Americans feel constantly bombarded by ads, as mentioned in your book. Fifty nine percent say ads have little or no relevancy to their lives. Now, I'm assuming that you would be supportive of the ad community's efforts to connecting more closely with consumers via data mining as well as behavioral marketing to provide consumers with more relevant messages. I, I am, and I think that this, this makes sense for the, the advertising community. Um, I think it's, it's one of the, the bright spots in the advertising world right now that we are able to uh, take advantage of uh, some of these new technologies that allow us to better target consumers. Um, what will that mean? Fewer ads? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think you know. I think it's, there are more means of delivery, be they the iPhone or, or you know uh, devices that we have yet to even see. Uh, ads will continue to um, to kind of prop up new technologies and new mediums. And I, I think, uh, but, but, but targeted media. I think targeted media where you're able to kind of zero in on the right customer. Um, it, that's where you're seeing more efficiency, or, and that's where you're seeing a lot of advances. And uh, uh, I think that's a, a good area, if, if there's a term, a good area of advertising. Yeah, well, it's an election year. No surprise there. I'd like to get Lucas your your thoughts on who's doing the best job of of messaging and getting their quote unquote brand out there to the to the voting public. <laughs> that's a good question. Oh, and and, and that's a fun one because uh, politics is, uh, is always reflecting uh, the pop culture in the marketing world, and and uh, this past election has been more more of a marketing election than any before and that I remember. Uh, certainly, there's there's uh, Candidates have tried to brand themselves. Obama behind change, and McCain has kind of moved around. But honor was the one there for a while. These one-word, uh, own one-word type branding campaigns, and also they try and brand each other. Uh, you know, uh, Obama is called McCain, uh, you know, the next Bush, and McCain calls Obama, you know, another a celebrity or the next Jimmy Carter or whatever, you know, whatever comes up. We are uh, on the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. Lucas Conley is an uh, author of a brand new book called Obsessive Branding Disorder. LucasConley.com is where you can find out more about that. Uh, or just go ahead and Google his name. You'll find out a whole bunch of cool stuff as well. With Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Another segment to spend with Lucas, and we hope you've got the time to. Now, You're going to be so glad you stuck around, as we promised. Lucas Connolly still with us here at the Advertising Show, author of Obsessive Branding Disorder. Lucas, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. 
Yeah, uh, Lucas, uh, give us your thoughts on uh, word of mouth marketing. You know, it's been talked about a lot, yet I think it's a bit. Uh, you know, on the one hand, it, it can be covert and end up backing, you know, backfiring on a lot of marketers that try to portray themselves as uh, Joe Sixpack out there, and then the uh, consumers find out later that it's sponsored by the company that's trying to promote a particular product or service. Yet, on the other hand, when word of mouth really works, it's an uncontrolled uh, medium, if you will. Just wanted to get your take on word of mouth. Sure, sure. And, and this, this, I mean, the this, this central issue for me here. Is, is clarity and, and honesty, um, authenticity. I think the, the, the concern I have in the American market right now is we don't have a regulation uh, with word-of-mouth marketing um, that, that states that consumers who are t- participating in a campaign uh, are obligated to reveal who they're working with or for. Um, and I, I think, uh, as we saw earlier this year, this spring in the U.K., uh, there are now certain types of uh, word-of-mouth marketing that are illegal. Uh, subject to fines and up to two years in jail, um, because we're, we're seeing, uh, especially online, uh, whether it's reviews on Amazon or, or a restaurant review or uh, any any kind of uh, situation where people are providing feedback, uh, there's the manipulation uh, factor. A very small percentage, but but anonymous anonymous reviews by say a chef of his own restaurant now is, is illegal in the UK, and I think this is a good. Yeah, <laughs> it's a topic we'll be wrestling with, I think, here in the U.S. over the next several years. Yeah, you know, and uh, i got to tell you, anyone listening uh, that's been listening for any length of time knows that if we have a, an author on the show, we think a lot of uh, of their books, or we don't have authors on the show because we get plenty of review copies here at The Advertising Show, and I'd encourage all of our listeners to check out Obsessive Branding Disorder. It's a great book. I might add, Lucas, it's a very well-designed uh, jacket, uh, very slick. Isn't very it great? Very, yeah, especially yeah. for a guy that's kind of questionable about certain branding tactics. He's done a hell of a job here with this. Or at least as public. Well, did you get uh, help with that, Lucas, or what? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not a designer, and and in fact, the the metaphor there, uh, as, as uh, listeners will see when they see the book, is is that uh, with all this messaging we hear about a certain brand, that, you know, when brands try and control a message, they they try and obscure certain truths and present other falsities about their their company or their products or their identity. And the idea of the book was to offer a cover that was transparent, yeah. but blocks out uh, the fonts beneath, as they'll see right. when they pick up the cup. Yeah, and if you put 3D yeah. glasses on, it really looks cool, too. It's a great <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, you also talk about some of the strange, unusual lifestyle brand extensions that are out there. And, and again, it's a very interesting, very well-researched uh, uh, book, I might add. Harley Davidson uh, mentioned about their cake decorating kits and Cheetos, of course. Ray's favorite brand of lip balm is Cheetos. And, you know, there's just many other uh, freaky uh, brand extensions out there, and some of your uh, in one of your later chapters, Lucas, you talk about getting inside our heads, and you discuss some of the the, the brain, uh, you know, some of the techniques that others have used to get inside the brains of consumers. Touch on a few of those before we let you go today. Sure, and, and many of your listeners may be familiar with the the now infamous Coke Pepsi neuromarketing test, where uh, in the classic taste test between Coke and Pepsi, subjects preferred Pepsi in the first pass when they didn't know uh, which soda they were tasting, but uh, preferred Coke when they saw the can on the second pass. And uh, the, the neuromarketer or uh, neuroscientist looking at the study uh, was able to show that their frontal cortexes were lighting up on the second pass. And that's the area where we store our sense of identity and self. 
And I think the, the finding there, the kind of lesson from this, is brands do have the ability to kind of root themselves in, in our sense of self. Uh, Coca-Cola is a ubiquitous brand around the world, and many people do. They think of summer, they think of winter, if it's all seasons. It's a, it's a brand that we root in our own identity. For sure. That makes sense. Well, as one final question, Ray, why don't we ask Lucas what the future of branding holds for consumers, say, 10, 15 years down the road? Well, I think you touched on it earlier with, with targeted marketing. I think uh, data mining and targeted marketing as we use more credit rather than cash, as we use the, the Internet and digital media, we use uh, our TiVo, and we're able to store this information, and it becomes something of an electronic personality. Now, if a brand is a personality of a company, they want to match up with customers that have similar personalities and needs and, and kind of harmonize with those people. And I think, I think branding in a digital world is going to become more, more targeted. Uh, I think it would become more invasive, and privacy, uh, privacy from the consumer perspective will be a bigger issue. Uh, but I think, uh, I think we're, we're in for uh, years more of uh, interesting developments from, from the marketing world and the marketing technologies. And on that note, if you are uh, obsessive about advertising and marketing, about reading about it especially, you'll want to go out and get the book and then read it again and again and again. Yeah, absolutely. Back to front, front to back, all that kind of good stuff. Obsessive branding disorder. <laughs> Say again, Lucas? I said buy a new copy each time, of oh, course. Buy, yeah, take it. Well, okay, I was going to say re- return it, then bring it. No, don't do that. Just buy new copies. It's good. Continued success, Lucas, and a great book, and uh, we encourage our listeners to do it. LucasConley.com is the website, and uh, we enjoyed having you here today. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. On The Advertising Show, it's Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. Back in just a minute. The Advertising Show is powered by Schiphol.com. It's an incredible marketing tool. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. A platform called Tendency. They've been a part of the advertising show for so many years. We say thanks for that and uh, go check it out. It's S C H I P U L dot com. Hope you enjoyed the interview today with Lucas Conley. There are more to come as we uh, progress throughout the year here on the advertising show. It's being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The advertising show is a copyrighted Big Radio Medjets production. We'll talk to you again soon. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.